Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 129. Today, we're going to be finishing off chapter four of the Coaching Matters book, and we're going to be deep diving into a topic that we talk about very frequently on our Tech Coach Roundtables. What is a coaching cycle? How do you set it up? How can you be successful? And what role does your administration play? I want to bring on my co-host today, Miss Susan Vincent. Sue, how are you today? Welcome to the program. I am great, and we're finally digging ourselves out of the snow and ice that we had down here in Kentucky and looking forward to some uh, warm temperatures to enjoy in the coming days. It is so good to see you. It is so good to know that the temperature is coming up. We love seeing all the great stuff that's happening on your Facebook page. More importantly, my tech coach friends, we love seeing what's happening out of techimaginations.net. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on on the website these days. Things are uh, gradually updating and uh, the new site is out there in its um, full glory. So go check it out. Lots of videos. Um, blog post about what we're talking about here on Ask the Tech Coach, as well as some of my other musings. So go check us out at techimaginations.net. Highly recommend it. Great website, looking good. And I remember, Sue, when you and I sat down and said, we would like to create techimaginations.net. You had a vision. You said, I would love to do it kind of in the style of this amazing website called Teaching Forward. We are here to welcome a brand new member to today's panel, but somebody who is certainly not a stranger to TeacherCast the great Miss Jen Judkins. Jen, how are you today? Welcome back to the program. I'm great. I wish I could say that the snow is going away here, Susan, but you know, in New England, we're right in the thick of it. So yeah. I think it's going to be a while before we see the sun here again, but, uh, but it's good to see you, Jeff, and to join you in today's show. It is good to have you back. Of course, your website, Teaching Forward, is doing some amazing things. Uh, let's see, uh, for those who might not know you, uh, reintroduce yourself. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you've been up to these days. Sure. So I am uh, a tech director in Massachusetts in Woburn Public Schools, and I am a Google certified trainer and innovator. And I run a, a blog, uh, teachingforward.net, where I kind of take time to gather my own thoughts, like you say, Susan, right? Sometimes it's, I write the posts for myself, like recently, just trying to put my head around all the recent changes that Google announced. Um, I I was spending a lot of time going through and making notes and I thought, well, this just should turn into a blog post because other people probably want to know the same thing I'm trying to figure out and map out in my own head. So um, yeah, so feel free to check out the site. I try to um, share what I can that will help teachers. Uh, we have a post coming out uh, in another week or so from a, one of our fellow teachers um, who is doing some really cool things with robotics. So I like to feature some of our own educators or folks that I know too on the site uh, to share the things that they're doing in their classrooms as well. 
It is so great to see you and have you back on the program and hear your voice again. And I, if you guys out there are listening to the show and saying, you know what, I love this Coaching Matters conversation, I'd like to be featured on the program. Or if there's another tech coaching topic that you'd like, please feel free to reach out. You can find us over at teachercast.net. Find us over on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. We'd love to have you guys on the show. I know that you guys are out there watching. If you are, Honk your horn. Let us know that you guys are out there. We would love to connect with you guys and have you guys featured on Ask the Tech Coach. We do our live Tech Coach podcast every single Monday as we drop it every single day, every single Monday morning at 6 a.m. And, you know, Sue, as we're going through here, last week we dropped the first half of this chapter. We thought it was important that we broke chapter four in half. Chapter four, is, of course, is called Decisions About Coaches' Work. And I've had a lot of time over the last couple of days to be thinking about this and really The big part of this chapter, and we're going to dive into the second half today, is in order for a tech coach to be successful, it has to be set up correctly above the tech coach. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. We talked a lot about and stressed this in last week's episode about getting at the table and um, getting that plan together with leadership before the year even starts. Or hopefully, like Jeff just uh, alluded to, you know, before you're, before that coach is even hired, we hope that leadership has gotten together and casted that vision. You know, this chapter has a lot of delineations. It talks about the teacher, it talks about the coach, and then it talks about the administrator, but it also mentions the term, which I like in here, the coach champion. The person that's actually sitting there kind of as the master puppet master saying, this is what I want learning to look like. This is how I want the coaching program to work. This is how the coaching model should be. And of course, we're going to get into coaching cycle today. Jen, as somebody who's not only been a coach, been working with coaches, mentored me as a coach, you're now sitting at a tech director level. Do you have an opportunity to work with coaches? What is your role in the coaching landscape of your school district? I do, and I and I work very closely with our curriculum department in that regard, Jeff. Um, I I would say that in in the way that we were just talking about a champion that that often comes out of the curriculum department because, you know, at the end of it, all of the coaching um, objectives really come back to you know making sure that we're targeting student learning very purposefully. And, you know, in terms of coaching around technology, that the use of that technology is very purposeful and directed around goals that we have in the classroom to student learning. And so to partner with curriculum makes a lot of sense because very often the the goals that we're uh, really focused on are curricular goals and we're supporting that through the use of the technology and helping to identify the most appropriate fit of those, you know, the use of technology in that landscape. And so I have a really great relationship with our curriculum department in that regard. And then, you know, through the curriculum department, uh, communicating with building principals, the vision of what the coach is and how the coach functions in the school um, is set and clarified, uh, communicated to the principals through the curriculum office. And I, and I think that that model has worked really well for us. And, and in districts I've worked with in the past, a close partnership with curriculum is so critical um, in addition to the building principal relationships that you have in communicating the, the role of the coach. Are coaching decisions led by technology, led by curriculum, or led by both? I would say even as a technologist that they are led by curriculum. Um, and, 
to me, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think of myself as an educator first and someone who happens to use technology in, in their edu you know, in their role as an educator. Um, I, I came into the role as a tech director, having come from a classroom and then a, then a tech coaching role. And I, that's very much a big part of how, you know, the, the, how the district had envisioned the role of tech director and tech directors can vary very uh, quite a bit in districts where they can be operations focused people that are, um, you know, very hardware focused. I um, am fortunate that I have a very capable team of people that know how to do those things. And so my focus remains very much around the curriculum. And so I see myself as partnering with curriculum because we have shared goals of student learning and have a shared vision that technology is in support of that. Yeah, I think that's huge. I've been fortunate in two different districts to be, um, I've been in both places. I've been part of the technology department as a tech coach. And then later in a former district, we moved into the curriculum department and in my current district, part of the curriculum department. And it's so important to have that relationship and community between curriculum and technology. And in my current school system, that's been huge. We work together so well and we know what each other think and we can come together to make those important decisions and talk interface and infrastructure and instruction at the same time and make a plan that'll be best for students in the long run. I know different school districts are set up different ways. Certain, as Jen was saying, you know, the coaches are more curriculum based. Some districts, they put the coaches under the tech director because it's the tech coach. No matter where you are, it is important, I think, for tech coaches to have the experiences both, as we discussed last week, in that one-to-one -one individual realm of coaching, but also in the team coaching. Um, so, you know, I had a, had a conversation about this on the show last week on episode 128 about, you know, the differences between individual pros and cons. And I was thinking about that this week, and I'd love to get both of your opinion. Now, if you're a new coach, how do you get better at coaching? one-to-one -one. how do you get better at coaching group lessons where is a good thing where how does a coach improve their chops if let's say they're the only ones in a district they don't have really a mentor they don't have an, somebody to look at where can a tech coach go to get some help and support with all these different things i mean for me starting out several years ago i mean i had two other co-workers and we were all new to that position. So thankfully here in the state of Kentucky, we have an awesome PLN where um, we have regional sections and we met as a group at, at, the, at least once a month. So that was an awesome um, way to do that. But then if you don't have that online, tech coaching networks like we meet on Wednesday nights at the here at the Tech Coaching Network and talk about various topics, Twitter, those things. I mean, I learned so much just following people on Twitter. And I know that's been around for so long. And we keep saying that, you know, follow people on Twitter and create a PLN. But it helps just seeing the way people do things. And now, you know, the last several years, Facebook groups, just getting that professional development for yourself and getting that experience in. And then obviously, for me, it was just practice, just learning how to deal with people and creating those relationships that I always go back to. What about you, Jen? 
Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that I can't say enough about the networking piece. I, I, I think that those of us that are in roles where we're expected to sort of have a lot of the answers and be a resource to people, you know, we don't know, you know, we, we, we only know so much without sort of going outside of our school district. And so schools can be very isolating and and teachers can function in very much a siloed fashion because of the nature of schools at times. And so for that reason, and also because the coaching role is often very unique, there, there are often one or, or only a handful of coaches in a district. And so I think it makes the, the you know, the use of, of networking tools, particularly things like Twitter and, and uh, you know, I mean, just the beauty of like live chats where you now, I think more and more people are much more comfortable with video calls and, and it's become second nature when you think about it, even, you know, a year ago, it was, you know, most the average teacher would not have, have just jumped on a video call. But I think now this is one of the many things I am thankful for. I try to see the silver lining about COVID and I think, okay, well, there are some things that are good about this. And, and um, I think that more people are comfortable with this medium of connecting virtually. And there's a lot of value to be had, even if you can't meet in person with folks. And, um, and, and so, you you know, by talking to people about what it is that works for them in their districts and certain staff where you might be having challenges with and, and being able to connect with others, I think is the the most efficient way to learn how to do something well is, is through that combined experience, not only that you have to bring to the table and share, but that people around you that can share and, and help you to get better at, at what you do. I, I, I... I absolutely agree. You know, creating a network, um, you know, joining a GEG, joining our teacher cast tech coaches network. We have meetings every single Wednesday following a podcast like this. And there's other great tech coach podcasts out there. We hope to have some of our tech coach podcasting friends on over the next couple of weeks here. Um, following a hashtag, you know, the, the ISTE tech coaches network follows EC coaches, I believe. Um, I, I realized the other day, I don't know if you guys know this, but tech coach edu was not being used so i kind of started posting all of our ask the tech coach stuff on that i mean great. there's a lot of great hashtags that are out there for these things and you know the uh, the essence of this chapter really is if it's set up correctly it will succeed or it has a good chance of succeeding and and kind of diving into some of the stuff that we're going to focus on this week it specifically talks more about the concept of group coaching and how to make group coaching successful, even how to make one-to-one -one coaching successful. But it starts talking about requiring this idea that somebody, usually the leader, sets the groundwork. And, and we've talked about this. Even, Jen, when we were doing the show a couple of years ago, it's the whole concept of uh, it's one thing for a leader to say, Sue, you're the tech coach. Here's what I want you to do. But it's another thing for a leader to say, staff, Sue is the tech coach. This is her requirement. You need to play your part in this because she is here to help you. I don't see a lot of administrators going through that motion. I think that's more important than saying to Sue, you need to go do a coaching cycle. If the teachers don't understand a coaching cycle, Absolutely. how can a tech coach possibly be successful in their building? And I think that's why there's a lot of tech coaches out there. Please raise your hand, honk your horn. I think that's why a lot of tech coaches and programs aren't successful. It's because we're only looking at it from the coaching point of view, not setting up the success in the classrooms. Right. What do for you guys any, yeah. For anything to be successful, whether it's tech coaching or whatever you're doing in life, everyone 
that is part of the group has a job to do it to make it successful. I mean, we can go back to the old cliche, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if everybody's not pulling their weight, you know, you're not going to be as successful as you can be. So, yes, the teacher has a job responsibility in the coaching cycle, if you will, um, that that administrator has the responsibility of letting them know about um, for the coaching to become successful. If you think about a classroom, you spend the first couple of weeks in a classroom in September teaching the students how to listen to you and how to how to set up what you're going to do for the rest of the year. How often do we do that with our teachers? We kind of put them into a PD session and say, here's Sue, go listen to her. But how often do principals actually sit and go to the teachers? This is what we hope to get. This She is here to raise your students up. She is here to do whatever, right? Jen, what do you see? I know you have an opportunity to work with coaches, not only locally, but around the world. Um, do you have these conversations with principals and, and other school leaders of, you got to set up your coaches for success. You can't just throw them in a district and say swim. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was, there was some mention of this earlier um, about just the, de the definition of the role and clarifying that and the, and the importance of the principal or building leadership and clarifying the role of the coach, because I think it is different, Jeff, than, you know, we think about a classroom teacher, that role is very clear, right? We think of a building principal and that role is very clear. But when we start to say something like a tech coach, right, then then it becomes less clear. Well, what does that mean? Um, I have definitely had people suggest, well, they can also, you know, teach some classes and do the tech coaching on the side, or they can also contribute to evaluation. And it's like, no, 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 before we even hire this position, let's really talk about what we envision for this role and and how we can how we can make that role clear to the staff because if you put them in an adversarial type of position where they're feeling like there's judgment happening by the tech coach i mean this is you're, you're setting up for failure right like you the tech coach is there as a support to teachers and to help the teacher develop so that they are being their best teacher self for students and, and finding the most success in their lessons, right? And so it, it becomes this, this process by which the coaching cycles become less difficult as the, as the teachers realize, oh, wow, like I, it felt so much better to run that class the way that I did with that feedback. I feel more successful. And then I, now I wanna go back and learn more and spend more time in, in these coaching cycles because of how I feel at the end of it, right? And so that's the kind of thing you want to develop with teachers is, um, you know, not like you must do this and, you know, this is your required time. I mean, you can do that, but, but ultimately it should be something where principals are creating space in the schedule and there may be some level of kind of people volunteering for coaching time in the beginning if you're new to the role and you're trying to develop relationships in the building and it's amazing how quickly having some limited experience with teachers, how quickly that spreads to other teachers by them sharing with their colleagues, hey, I had these really great meetings. I got some great ideas. I, you know, it was really positive. And, and I think that while the principal's role is important, there is also a huge value in teachers sharing with other teachers positive experience. And so sometimes when you're new to the role, there's other ways to facilitate that if it's not happening quite as seamlessly through building principles. Because, you know, everyone communicates differently in their buildings and has different relationships with their staff. And so I think sometimes you come into a role and the way you tackle an individual building might vary based on that culture in the building. 
one of the things that we talk about a lot on Wednesday nights at our tech coach roundtables is the concept of communication with your uppers communication with your principals, with your coach champions, as the book routinely calls. One of the things here that the book in chapter four mentions is that we need to make sure that the supervisors, the coach champions, the administrators are in constant communication, what's working, what's not working, but that has to be a conversation that's positive, not created in that sense of gotcha. I know too many building administrators that are looking to see what's on the calendar of their coaches, and that's how they're graded. Or they're asked to create a spreadsheet of every 10 feet and every door they walk in, or they're looking in their Google Drives to see all the projects that creates. Um, Sue, talk to me a little bit about all this stuff. Obviously, you have a great relationship with your building, with your administrators. How does your week to week, month to month, like how do you let people know not really what your value is, but how you're doing the coaching thing, how you're working with teachers? Well, for me, it's weekly meetings, referring back to the curriculum team, like we were talking about a while ago, I'm part of that curriculum team. So we have a weekly meeting around a table every Wednesday morning, and we talk about what we're doing. And, you know, when it's my turn, I share what's going on in the instructional technology world of things. And, you know, when everyone else takes their turn in the what does that look like? Does that look like, look at me, look at me, I'm doing this? Does that look like, hey, Mrs. Jones did a great thing? Or does it look like I was walking down the hallway and I noticed that? Like, what's what's the way that these conversations could, should, or would be having? A little bit of everything. We do a lot of in our group of this teacher did this, or I had the awesome opportunity to guide this teacher in learning about you know, using a Google form and grabbing the data and analyzing that. So it's a lot of recognizing the teachers, which in turn, I love what my um, supervisor does, who is our assistant superintendent. And she'll go and sometimes send emails to those people or send district-wide emails of, oh, you know, this is going on in Mrs. X's class and, you know, check it out, ask her about what she's doing. So really, really positive um, reinforcement there as we share as a team. So being part of a, a team like this has been huge for me, and it encourages the collaboration among my co my closest coworker and I that do the te instructional technology, as well as the curriculum specialist, the data control person, the media specialist director, the special needs director, all of these people sitting around a table together and supporting the curriculum of our school system. It's just huge. Jen, you've been both as the tech coach and now the tech director. What do those meetings look like up in Massachusetts? So again, I think it depends on what, you know, what structure exists in the, in the district you're in. In our district, we have curriculum, like content coaches as opposed to tech coaches. And that was a purposeful decision. And that was something that, um, that I continue to support the, the idea of, you know, if you find a good curriculum coach, they should have a fluency with technology and or be open to learning more about technology because it all really does come down to the curriculum. I have always sought when I when I have hired people in these roles for people to be strong educators first and for them to just have a passion around technology, not that they are necessarily the strongest technology person, um, because I feel like 
all of that can be developed, but um, you know, the teachers can, can sniff you out a mile away if you are not good, if you do not know the content and, and if you don't understand the standards and the goals that they have. And so you, you become, you know, sort of like, I, I feel like they assess you pretty quickly as to whether or not you are a practitioner um, that they can learn from. And, you know, not that you know all these fancy tools and know how to do computer techie stuff, you know, so that's not what's going to impress them. And so um, in terms of the meetings and stuff, we, um, we, they're typically done in partnership with the grade level band. So elementary teams are meeting together. Um, it's really interesting, Susan, to hear you talk about some of the support roles being involved in those meetings um, that I, I would say that that's a really great, it's something for me to give some thought to. I, I love the idea of bringing on board some of the support staff in terms of like EL staff and, and special education staff in those meetings, because I, I do feel like it makes a lot of sense because they have different aspects of student support that they can help speak to. Yes. And there's a lot of value there. I can see that that would make for a you know, more robust meeting. A lot of times ours are done um, in conjunction with grade level teams. And, um, and also, like I say, we look at um, the coaches as curriculum coaches, as opposed to content specific, but everyone has their specialties, right? Everyone, you know, you've got sort of like the literacy folks or the STEM people. And so we, we kind of leverage everyone's sort of, um, you know, personal passions and, and strengths too to, to, you know, to help the whole team, depending on what the particular challenge is that we're trying to support staff on. I love how this chapter really is about the administrator setting things up the right way, the administrator making sure that they are having a great relationship with the coach, making sure that the administrator is setting things up in the classroom. We're going to talk about how the administrator is helping to figure out what a coaching cycle is in a second. But on almost the last page of the chapter, they've got a little teeny tiny section here that basically talks about how coaches should be making sure or the administrators should be making sure that the coaches have offsite professional learning. And I'm glad that they put this in here. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens later in the book because we talk about this a lot. If you're the one doing professional development for the district every week, how are you getting your professional development? And I know for so many coaches, um, you know, you don't get a chance to watch others because you're always on. I find my PD through things like Twitter, Facebook groups, GEGs, that's the reason why we created the Tech Coaches Network. Why is it important for, for, for administrators not only to recognize that tech coaches need to get a hug every now and then too, but their hug has to come outside of the district? Why is that important? Well, I think I, I feel like one of the big things is, as you say, Jeff, it is it is an acknowledgement too that that they are often the ones in the in the role of providing PD, right? So so we can't always lean on them to provide PD and then provide no opportunity for their own professional growth. And yet, if they are instructional leaders, not to say that there's nothing that they can learn from their colleagues, there always is. There always are things we can learn from one another. But, you know, in, in a small amount of time and, and having, you know, carving out time so that they can feed themselves professionally, I think is is respectful of their role and honors the, the need that they have to grow professionally. So 
providing them that space and time. You know, sometimes what I've done with tech coaches in the past is, you know, hey, can you provide PD on this day? And then I'm going to release you on another day so that you can either attend this or, um, you know, it doesn't have to happen at the same day. And usually it can't because we're looking to leverage those people to provide, um, you know, training to our own staff. But, it, you know, you you always have the people near you that you can ask and lean on, but it is important, particularly when you are kind of in a smaller group of people that have a very specific skill set to be able to reach out beyond that and and to to find those resources and and to be able to continue to to stay ahead of where teachers are. Because if we're doing our jobs well, they're going to keep catching up to us. That's the idea, right? We don't we don't want to always be in the know. We want to prepare teachers so they're always I just want them at my heels at every moment. That would be fabulous. Right. If if we're just sort of keeping up with one another, I'm hopefully a step ahead when I can be. And um, but but the goal is that we're, we're both moving forward. Right. The, the teacher and the coach are moving forward together. And yeah, if the administrator is encouraging innovation among their teachers, they should be then encouraging the tech coach to go outside to grab those new innovative ideas to bring back. Because, you know, we're going to run out of innovative ideas if that tech coach isn't able to go out and learn something new in their own PLN outside of the four walls of the physical classroom there. So what, so what's your opinion and, and your thoughts on that? I know whenever you're reposting this show, you post a variety of Kentucky groups. What, what are you a part of and, and how do you recommend a, a new tech coach start to find their way around local regional conferences and stuff? Yeah, I kind of alluded to that a little bit before. Um, our state of Kentucky has always been so supportive of each other in the t instructional coach and tech coaching world. So um, right now, the current title for um, tech coaches in Kentucky are digital learning coaches. So we have our hashtag KYDLC. Um, and then those are the same um, groups that we meet with regionally um, once a month. And we get guidance through the Kentucky Department of Education. There's a digital learning coach lead at uh, the department who um, leads those meetings and we share ideas amongst each other. So that is huge. And just getting new ideas to try with our teachers. And then just another little um, movement that happened a few years ago here in Kentucky, and it's remained a hashtag where we share things with each other is KY Go Digital. And it was just when we were, when a lot of our districts were moving to one-to-one -one Chromebooks, iPads, what have you. And we were really, um, getting things going in the area of instructional technology. So that's been just a huge group just on Twitter, Facebook, all those places that we continue to share ideas. So, and a lot of just classroom teachers are a part of that KY Go digital movement and not just tech coaches. So that's huge too. I love how no matter where tech coaches are, there's always a need. I, I've never seen a district well, I've seen one school district say, I don't need a tech coach anymore, but there it really, wherever you have a tech coach, there is a need. The reason for having that tech coach is to bring up teacher improvement, to bring up student achievement with things. Uh, I'm going to fast forward through a small section here in the book that basically talks about coaching deployment of how sometimes you look at how many teachers you have and you do a math problem and say, if I've got X number of teachers, I need X number of coaches. Ultimately, that's a great situation. One coach per building, two coaches per building, all based off of that. Ultimately, I think, and, and you know, just to kind of touch on this, guys, coaching is a budgeting decision, right? You're always the first one to go if there's a budget issue because you can't lose a teacher, but you can lose a coach. 
But really, the section here, it's really, really small, but it's so important. Everything here is placed across the district based off of need, based off of budget, based off of where and how the teachers are fitting. Um, so you know, uh, let me start with this. Jen, you're mentioning the fact that you've got instructional coaches that are content areas. How does your district determine what content area goes with what building? So we don't, we really, um, we're really supporting typically at the grade level and where identifying coaching cycles can be based on different things. So sometimes it's based on a recommendation from a building principal who says, you know, this teacher could really benefit from some support, you know, could you pair them with someone? Very often it's a teacher saying, I just would like to grow in this area and I would like, I would like to opt into a coaching cycle. So it, I think it can, it can vary based on what the availability is of, of coaches in terms of their time and also, um, you know, what the goals are of the district. Are you using the coaching role to remediate or are you using the role to, to provide growth for teachers? I, I really think that it's kind of a lot of those things, right? It really, you're going to, depending on the specific person, there may be, you, you know, maybe different reasons, but you're right, Jeff, it's often like a budgetary thing too. So we wanna make sure our coaches are busy, right? That there's, you know, that there's not really downtime. Um, but I also usually when I'm working with other districts to talk about positions like this is, is encourage them to be very careful about overstructuring the time and looking for like a calendar of events, like the coach must be booked, you know, in classrooms for these times because I think a big part of the coaching role is some level of flexibility to be available to teachers when they need you and how they need you. And so there needs to be some thoughtfulness around the flexibility of coaches' time so that they can um, be available to teachers more, more, you know, on the fly too, not just in the coaching cycle, you know, structure, which is, which is certainly important. So let's get into this, right? Uh, coaching cycle. We, we talk about this a lot on the show, trying to figure out what this is. If I can kind of read from the good book here for a little bit, it says a common way to structure coaches work is through the coaching cycle. Coaching cycles are a series of interactions with an individual or team of teachers over time. They have a goal for both teachers and student learning. The goals are developed in collaboration with the client, I'm assuming that means teacher, based on teacher and student learner needs. And coaching cycles could be multiple days or multiple weeks. Let's just kind of break apart what that is here. Really, how would you put that into regular words, Sue? A coaching cycle is defined as what in layman's terms? So, I mean, for, for me, it's finding that one teacher or maybe the principal through a collaborative, collaborative effort has found you that one teacher and they have something that they want to work on. Hopefully it's by the teacher's choice. I want to be able to integrate more technology within my history lessons. So what can I do? And you sit down and you meet and you, you cast a vision. Okay. What do you want to accomplish at the end of this cycle? So maybe you're going to coach them through their whole, I don't know, revolutionary war unit and encourage them to use more technology. So, you know, you, you plan a vision and then you get your goal of what you want to accomplish in the end. And then you figure out, okay, we need to meet once a week. I need to come to your class on these days and we need to do this. So, you know, in quick, simple terms, that's what it entails. 
it's about the goals, right? And this isn't, hey, Sue, come into my room and fix my laptop. This is a structured event. And the book does go on to talk about the different kinds. Um, you know, it, it talks about a, a single day coaching cycle where everything, you know, it's one of those, Sue, can I just borrow you tomorrow? I'm going to be teaching this lesson five times. Can we build it? Can we set it up? All in one day it goes by. It talks about having a multi-week coaching cycle, which could be, hey, can you meet me every single Monday? I've got this social studies class. We're going to do a project over the next few weeks. Can you work with me on that? And then it also goes into having several teachers. You're a part of a group and the group, like say all fourth grade is working on a project. You then have the opportunity to work with those fourth grade teachers as a department or as a grade level, but then you're breaking the individual teachers apart and you're coaching them, you're mentoring them, you're monitoring, you're, you're all those different things. There's a lot of different ways to fix uh, problems if you have a dedicated coaching cycle. So what way do you like to work with teachers? I mean, I'm sure you've been asked, please come into my room and do something. That's not a coaching cycle. That's like a Band-Aid. How do you say, no, I don't want to come into your class today. Let's sit down first when really the teacher needs you now. How do you start this whole process? Yeah, definitely a delicate situation. And with with some experience, you know, you may have to that first time go and fix her problem and just join her in the classroom for that 15 minutes to see what she's want and wanting or and even just to get an idea of the way she he teaches. Then you can approach it from the back door of, hey, you know, what is your next unit? What are you going to do? What are you doing for your Revolutionary War unit? Can we sit down and talk about ways that you can put technology in it? And I think in that way, if they're hesitant at first and they just want you there right now, that gets you in that back door to develop a relationship and to get that cycle going and off the ground. And that's where I've had better experiences. You know, I go help them with one thing and then I can uh, tag off of that and move them into the other realm of things up to the next level where we want them to go. Jen, we've talked about this a lot. I've come to you and said, I'm busy. Teachers love what I'm doing. They're great, but they just don't want to, they don't have time. They, they don't want to sit down. They, they just want me to come in and do how do you help coaches out there that really want to start and form these great relationships? They know that their boss is looking for them to do a coaching cycle, but I'm going to keep going back because it wasn't found, you know, because the rules of the game weren't, weren't delivered to the teachers. Teachers don't know that this is the rule and this is the game. I might have been saying this right. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the coaching cycle before it pro provides a really important structure and, and the structure has value be because you, you want to be careful that you're not just going in and quickly solving a problem and not really developing the, the, the teacher, right? Like the goal in coaching is to gradually release what is new knowledge so that the teacher then owns the knowledge and can execute that on their own, right? And so if you try to come in for 45 minutes, like I don't care how good that teacher is, depending on what you're trying to do, it's very unlikely that they're going to feel independent in that new knowledge when you then leave. And so in a coaching cycle, you're able to create the space where you're already previewing for the teacher, like we're going to spend time together over this many weeks and here's what it's going to look like. And I, you know, and like you say, Susan, a lot of times it is going in and making, you know, 
solving an immediate problem because that is very much about the relationship piece, right? Like I'm here to support you. If what you need right now is for me to fix this problem, I'm here to do that. But ultimately I don't want them to need me in the room to execute these things. That's not my goal, right? That's not the goal of a coach. And so, and yet um, the, the coaching cycle provides the framework so that we can make a plan to gradually release that it also, you know, you mentioned, Jeff, the, the goal piece is so critically important. I find that when I go and meet with teachers to talk about technology, so much of our conversation is about the curricular goals and clarifying that. You know, any, I mean, we've said it how many times, any good lesson, you know, you're not going to have a good lesson if you don't have a solid foundation of a clear objective for that lesson. And so just getting teachers to really sort of articulate that and, and clarify, like, what are the things that you want to teach and when you want to teach them? That piece has nothing to do with technology and yet is the most important piece. And having the time in the coaching cycle to, to carve out, to clarify, like, what is the goal? What is the instructional goal? And what are the things you've done before that you have been happy about that you want to keep and maintain? And where are you looking for something new to be added? Because you know, that those are all the ways you sort of feel out, like, where are they open to, to some new things? Um, so I think that knowing ahead of time that you're not going to just one and done and dive out of their class can be reassuring. But it's also not overwhelming because it can happen over a period of weeks that they're not, you know, creating this monster project that, you know, they feel like they could never replicate again. And that's not that's not what you want them to do either. But here's the question. A teacher comes to you and says, hey, you're the coach. Uh, can you come in and help me do something with Flipgrid? You might say, sure. Feeling that the teacher is happy to work with you, you caught a fish, great. You want to sit down and start a coaching cycle and say, what are your instructional goals? What's, you want to do the gig. They're looking at you as the Flipgrid expert. They're not looking at you as what you are looking at yourself. We're going to backtrack and say, has the administrator set things up? But at the same point in time, what is a coach to do? I hear this over and over again and again. Raise your hand, honk your horn, whatever. But what what is that coach to do? I want to help instruction and improve, yada, yada, yada. You just want me to come in and teach my kids Flipgrid for 10 minutes and then thanks very much. How do you, this is the wrong way, guys. How do you win? How do you compromise? Yeah, what, I, I mean, the, what, I feel like a lot of it is, is is asking for the context, right, Jeff? So I don't go in and say, I'm going to do a coaching cycle with you. I don't use words like that. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't go in and say, you know, what are the standards you're teaching? I want them on a list. Like, I don't do that. I just say, sure. Like, when is the class that you want to do this? Right? Like, I let them sort of set the direction. Okay, so if that class is on Wednesday, can we meet ahead of time? Because it would help me to understand what you've taught beforehand. I need the context, right? Like you, I need you to help me, right? So I'm trying to let them know, like I, I'm just as reliant on them giving me information about what they've been working on with their kids so that I can use the same vocabulary, that I can think about what it is that they're doing and not sort of deviate from that. So because I'm going in there asking for them to help me with the context of, of how it is that they're trying to use this thing, it tends to open them up to sharing that information as opposed to making it feel like or sound like, well, I'm not going to help you till you can articulate your instructional goal. Like I would never say it like, that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, that's one sure way to get them to be like, thanks, but I'll call someone else. Right. 
So instead to go in and say, you know, let's partner together on this, I can make myself available again, back to that flexibility. This is why I say we've got to be careful about over scheduling coaches in, in, you know, in, in terms of like, uh, because when you do get those teachers asking and they want to do it in a few days, you want to be able to say, well, I can have time to meet with you before that. It doesn't have to be a big, long meeting. And I think these cycles should start out quite short and then get longer over time. You should not be starting out particularly long with a teacher because it feels like a big commitment. They don't have that trust and relationship with you yet. They need to see the value. And most good technology integration should not be like this gigantic big thing. It should be something that's small and targeted and gives everyone a win, right? And you mentioned that win, Jeff, and I feel like it's just as much about the teachers feeling that win. Like I did that and I think I can do it again. And I'm actually thinking about how I can do that in a different subject area or at a different time of the year. And then once they kind of are secure in that, looking for openings of, well, that was fun. Can we do something like that together? What's coming up next that you feel like there's space where you'd be open to kind of adding something new. And then I try to let the teacher lead me to where it is that they're looking for and for, you know, something new to be layered into what they're already doing. I love how you just explained that, Jen. I could just say ditto and all of that. <laughs> I've had the same, I mean, I've had very similar experiences. And in fact, the way you worded the question of help me understand and I've, I've used those same, those same wordings as I've met with teachers. So, you know, if we go back, I was reading um, another article about coaching cycles earlier today and preparing for our conversation. And, you know, it talked about the coach and the teacher in collaboration with the coach being the um, tech expert and teaching them that tool and making the teacher feel like they're still the content expert and putting that together and helping them see how they go hand in hand. So that was huge and using that uh, background knowledge. And then it gives you the chance as the coach to prove that, yes, you are an instructional expert too, as you um, go through those, that instructional cycle with them. I, I think what you say it. is so true too, Sue. Like one of the things that I notice is that people, I think you probably get this a lot, all of us do that have been in technology, you know, Oh my gosh, I don't know anything about technology. Like they want, they want you to like excuse their lack of knowledge and they want to be forgiven. I'm like, listen, I'm not a third grade teacher. So thank goodness you've got that down. Like, let's just figure this out together. Um, you know, I, I like to think that I come with an instructional background, but I'm a biologist that has taught, you know, eighth grade, you know, science for many years. Like I know, I know an area of instruction and I know an area of content and I'm familiar with standards across the grade levels. But at the end of the day, like, I, like I'm not the third grade teacher. I haven't been doing this for 15 years. Like I have so much I can learn from these people. I love observing teachers. I, I learn something every single time about classroom management, about transitions, about, you know, the way in which that they are tackling the diversity of learners in their room. And so I feel like it is very much a partnership. And I think that, it's very easy to, to make that clear to teachers and yet so important because the truth is when it comes to technology, many teachers feel very inadequate. They feel yes. that, boy, I feel like I know my craft and in this one area, I feel really silly and I feel like I should know it, but I don't know it, you know? And so I think it's so important to disarm that as quickly as possible, you know, and get that out of the way. Like, let's not be silly. As long as you don't expect me to go up and teach your third grade class right now, like, we'll be fine. We'll work together and we'll get this done. 
Absolutely. That is so true. We've been talking today all about Coaching Matters Chapter 4. Next week, we're going to be diving into Chapter 5, all about the coach champion. I've been reading a few pages uh, over this week, trying to get ready for next week's show. And, you know, if you are somebody out there who's advocating for coaches, if you're a tech director, uh, anybody in administration who's working with coaches, next week is a show for you. I hope you have a chance to not only check it out, but share it with your colleagues. And all of these episodes are, of course, going to be over on teachercast.net. If you're looking to pick up this book, I know people have uh, emailed and said there's no way I'm able to find this book. It's not on Amazon. Uh, they only have volume one. But if you go to teachercast.net slash coaching matters, um, that is a direct link out to the Learning Forward website where you can pick it up. I highly recommend it going through this. It is a great book. We're starting chapter five out of chapter, oh, what do we have here total? Um, 11. So we're almost halfway through the book here, but we're doing some good stuff. We'd love to have you guys on the show, just as we've had Miss Judkins on the show today talking about what you guys think about the book and sharing your experience would love to have you guys come on jen it's been a pleasure having you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you're working on this year and uh where can we find that great website of yours one more time so sure i'm on teachingforward.net and my twitter handle is the same at teaching forward and um i i don't know i'm i'm involved in a lot of things i guess jeff like when you love this work you can't say you you say yes to everything i find so uh, working on developing and launching soon a Google Educator Group for New England with some colleagues. Uh, Jeff, uh, I've reached out to you as a as a Connecticut resident to to help out as we're trying to bring a number of states together on that. Um, meeting with some actually have some really exciting phone calls lined up on Wednesday with. Uh, staffers from our two Massachusetts senators. I'm doing a, 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 a thing with ISTE where we are learning about and actually doing advocacy around um, educational technology. So trying to grow that part of my brain, that's new for me. Um, I think that I care so much about this work. It's nice to be able to start to figure out how it is that we can provide influence at the government level to ensure funding for all of these things that uh, that, that teachers are doing and, and growing so quickly now with COVID. Uh, there's a lot of funding support that's needed to continue some of the work that started. Nice. And Sue, what's going on in your neck of the woods and where's that website again? Um, I am at techimaginations.net and find me on Twitter at SV314DWS. And thank you guys for taking a moment to listening to this episode, episode number 129. I've been wanting to get Miss Judkins and Miss Vincent's on the show together for a long time. Certainly glad we have. I hope this isn't the last time. And again, we'd love to have you guys be featured on the show. Please reach out to us over at askthetechcoach.com. Find us on Twitter at askthetechcoach. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and check it out every single Monday morning. And if you're interested, join our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. It is absolutely free. And we would love to have you guys on our Tech Coach Roundtables every single Wednesday night at 8.30. So that wraps up this episode of Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 129. On behalf of Jen and Sue and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.